Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the games beyond Baldur's Gate. This is episode 46, and we're playing Planescape Torment. I'm Cameron, and I play the Nameless One. And I'm Danny, and I play the Nameless One. Oh, we took a little bit of a break, didn't we? Took a week off. We've, we've done that before. But but in terms of, uh, of real time, it's like a full month, you know? I guess that's true, because we are bi-weekly. So when mm -hmm. you become bi bi weekly, that becomes monthly. Yeah. So so it's a little bit of time away. Um, do you want to describe the the plot up until we got here? So so this is what episode three. Yes. Episode three of Planescape Torment. We're we're going going right along. In it, you, nameless one, wake up without a name, scarred horribly in a place called the mortuary. Inhabited by a, a cult of dustmen seeking a kind of Nirvana-esque, you know, uh, true death. You meet a skull. The skull tells you, hey, you got this uh, big old scar message on your back. And it tells you, hey, hold on to that journal. Seek out Farid. And, uh, you know, whatever you do, don't lose your journal. You realize you don't have a journal. Morty slash Mort says, hey, I'll join you on your little quest. And you go on a little adventure to find Farad. And you find out you're in this world that's in this city called Sigil, which is where all of these other planes and, and dimensions meet. And it's wild, right? It's pretty wild. There are a lot of, you meet a lot of funny characters and interesting people. And you make your way onto the wrong side of the tracks. And then you make your way into like a hidden sewer and then there's like a city in the sewer and then you find Farad there and Farad tells you hey I need you to get a bronze sphere before I tell you any secrets mm, and that's think, where we are right now I think that's a pretty good little uh synopsis here that that is I'm gonna have you do that at the beginning of every episode so eventually you're just taking up the first full 20 minutes of the episode <laughs> no it'll I mean well I mean hopefully I start omitting things no <laughs> what if what if someone's coming in and this is their first episode? Mm. Well, we should really start. There was um, a man named Balthazar. <laughs> Remember that, that time, like right at the end of uh, Baldur's Gate uh, Two, where I was like, "Okay, summarize the story up until now. I give you two minutes." And mm -hmm. You like ran out of breath three times, and mm -hmm. your wife had to call the hospital. Mm -hmm. We we edited that out. Well, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to put behind the curtain. That's for the the Patreon only. Mm, I remember that uh, Patreon exclusive video of you in the hospital with an IV in your arm, doing a thumbs up, talking about Baldur's Gate. The doctor coming. You're the bravest Baldur's Gate talker I've ever seen, Cameron. You're the bravest little boy on earth. <laughs> Cameron is actually twelve years old. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I have an incredibly mature voice mm -hmm. and a. Uh, some very well-formed opinions of, of the history of the role-playing game <laughs> mm -hmm. for being 12. I don't... That's half of the people commenting on, uh, you know, various internet articles about role-playing games, right? I mean, that's definitely the people correcting me about a mimic and where mimics come from. <laughs> it's an in, It's kind of an... In, actually, it is an inverse kind of bell curve where... Most people commenting are not 30. The vast majority are 14 or 50. 
And that's <laughs> like, what if that's the reality we live in? The and there's trough. no way, and there's no way to know <laughs> who is who. We need you to, whenever you make a comment on a video of ours, we need you to say your age. Yes. Every time. And we, and we need a uh, photo of your government-issued ID, <laughs> and we need your social security number so we can run it through our if you're, system. If you're afraid of identity theft, you don't necessarily have to do that, but you do need to categorize, are you in the 14 group or the 52 group? You just oh, need yeah. to at least say that. Yeah, like like uh, like we're building advertising pr- uh, like a uh, profile for you. We just need like 14 to 17. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. 22, 25, 25 mm-hmm. to 40. But as we've already talked about, there's really only 14, 14 to 17 <laughs> and 50 to 54. Like that's, yeah, that's it. No one in the middle. Mm-hmm. Prove us wrong. <laughs> or don't. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Good bit. Okay. So we talked to Farad and Farad basically says that, that, he wants us to get this bronze spear, but importantly, he will only tell us about ourself and our own history and all of that, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't know anything. We got amnesia. Yeah, the nameless one doesn't even know his own name. We do get a we we do kind of understand that we've lived these past lives and we can't remember our past lives and we've like done stuff. Yeah, we've done all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Yeah. We've uh, driven bumper cars. We've we've done that thing with the hammer. We maybe betrayed a a lover. We absolutely did. You know, I was thinking Dianara is her Mm -hmm. name, right? I I was uh, I was thinking about that earlier. That you know, I wonder when that's going to pay off. Mm. Of course, we haven't you know we haven't seen any of that yet. But we're also only a few hours into the game, anyway. But yeah, so he says, go get this bronze sphere. And in trade for the Bronze Spear, I will tell you uh, about our deal. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say why that big old tattoo on your back says to come see me. I'll give you all the sweet deets mm. about that. And so he says, ah, you know, uh, underneath Ragpicker Square, which is like where he lives, underneath that, there's even more stuff. The catacombs. There. The catacombs. And then some other places, too, apparently. Sure. They're all, But they're all in the catacombs zip code. Yeah, and you get this. Wait, there's different. Yeah, it's all it's all different neighborhoods in the same zip code. Mm, uh, Skellington Town. Mm Mm-hmm. Rat Village. Ratland. Mm, Disneyland East. Disneyland East. Disneyland West. Mm, The Magic Kingdom. Um. But but yeah, so so what I think is pretty cool about this this zone is like when you head a little bit deeper, it's it almost like sigil is built from like a bunch of different layers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, there's no when you're going down, it seems like you're just going into like past civilizations and what they were up to. It really doesn't seem like you're like in sigil. It doesn't seem like everyone or anyone ever went and dug things out of the ground or like dug tunnels into the ground to build catacombs in like the built structures and stuff got built on top of it. And that's like the surface. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think I, I, that makes sense for sigil though. Right. I don't think Mm -hmm. that central planning is really big here. No, but, but (laughs) what I think is interesting about that is that it implies that there's like no, that there is no original, there's no ground. Right, like there's no bedrock dirt of sigil. There's just the past 
Mm. and all these layers of the past. It's not, you know, there's no place where it started. Sigil is eternal, and it's always been going, and there was never any first people who were there. It was always people building on top of other people. There's stuff. no Plymouth Rock that landed on Sigil. Plymouth, Plymouth Rock landed on us, mm-hmm. as Denzel said. In, the, in Denzel's biographical piece about Denzel Washington. When's that going to happen, you think? Mm, what year is it? Currently? Mm-hmm. 2021? <sighs> I give it 2025. Okay, well. I'll give it four I'll, years from now. Okay, going to put that right in the... Let me... Okay, got it. I in love the calendar. that. Is, this is your new keyboard we're here. Yeah, let's. Oh yeah, so I broke my keyboard the other day. Here's my new one. It's it is hell on the fingertips. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, makes a great sound. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, yeah, we we got to go down into the into the thing and and tell me tell me about your experience in the catacombs. Oh, so at first, I mean, the the first question is how do you even get to the catacombs? Which it's really convenient. You walk There's right a- outside <laughs> of uh, of Farid's like little little room, little throne room of sorts. He is the collector king. Ooh. And just to the east, there's a gate, and I just went up to the gate, and the guards there were like, oh, boy, you're going to need a real good excuse for opening this gate. And I was like, yeah, Farad asked me to get this thing. And he said, that sounds like a good excuse. Opened it right up. So I assume. That's a good one. Yeah, I assume that, like, if you if you went to this gate before you went to Farad, you would have had to either bribe the guard to open the gate or they wouldn't have let you. So, yeah. Uh, I open that. And I'm in the catacombs, and there's kind of like a little, um, the first area, there's a lot of little NPCs here, a little ghouls and such, right? Yeah, they're just kind of like hanging out. I guess the idea is like, that door is there to keep the ghouls who live in the catacombs from just like living in Ragpicker Square. Yeah. Kind of like um, a, a, a gate scenario. It is interesting, though, and I'm going to get into the difference between, like, these ghouls that I can talk to and other undead that we're going to mention earlier, or in a little bit later. But Mm -hmm. the catacombs are basically divided into two sides that are kind of uh, very classic D&D, two competing factions, right? Yeah, there was a, we've talked about this a little bit, right? But there was certainly a time of D&D, like module and dungeon design, mm-hmm. where the basic idea, and like, you know, I was reading all those Dragon magazines, I kind of put that on the back burner for a minute, but uh, reading those Dragon magazines, and even very early, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the advice for making your own dungeon, it's always like, hey, put some bugbears over here and some hobgoblins over here. And uh, have them be warring factions so players can get caught in between or, like, let them fight each other or negotiate with one side against the other, all that kind of stuff. And this is something we've seen in in Baldur's Gate several times. I can't, like, specifically remember how many times we've seen, like, ecosystem creation along this line. But Mm -hmm. very much going on here. Um, To the west, we have a bunch of undead. To the east, we have a bunch of rats. And if you go far enough east, you see some were-rats. You see some kind of humanoid-looking rats. And in the middle, we have uh, we kind of have some bat-like creatures. I forget the name exactly. These things are called, called vargouls. Vargouls. And I remember that because in the in this game, they, they do just kind of look like bat-looking things, like big bats. Mm-hmm. But in D&D... 
they are big vampiric heads. They are just floating vampiric heads with wings that sprout from the side of them. Mm, so this is the, really the uh, this thing. is a real difference between kind of what the game's presenting me and the idea that it really wants to convey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. Uh, well, I guess you know, probably difficult when this game came out at the resolution it came out in to oh, really yeah. represent a, a good floating head with wings, right? Oh, totally. So, I think yeah. that that's totally fair. So we. Uh, and there's some of those, and there are also some large, um, some large kind of crocodilian uh, basilisk type creatures. You remember the name of those? I don't know the name of those, but yeah, they're just like big. I think six legged. Yeah, thingies. Yeah. So saw all those, and you can kind of you can kind of roll around here, and there, there's a few interesting things you see. Uh, and the first thing I run into is this giant uh, kind of, like, uh, carving of a face on a wall. And you can, and I'm, you know, I'm holding the uh, the tab button or what have you. And I can see, oh, I can interact with this. And it starts talking to me. You remember this thing's name? Yeah, this thing is called Glive. Mm. Or Glive. Glive, Glive, something like that. Mm-hmm. Depends and on how much you like the uh, letter Y. Why? What is what is its deal? How? Why is this carving talking to you? So yeah, this is the. I mean, there might be other stuff in this in this catacomb, but this is the only thing I really talk to in this screen in this mm-hmm. catacomb thing. And same, so yeah, same here actually. Yeah, it just starts talking to you. You know, as as like a, it's kind of like a stone face on the wall, and there's a bunch of them, but you can only talk to one. Mm-hmm. And it just starts like chatting you up. You know, like, hey, bro, what's up? I'm, I'm just in here with all of these Varghuls, all these monsters, blah, blah, blah. And it just starts telling you the story about, like, what's up with it. And basically, it was like a community. It was like a bean. He was a bean in a community. Yeah. And there was, like, a local lord who I guess was, like, a sorcerer or something like that. And everyone who spoke up against this local lord, he just came and straight up snatched their soul out of their body. <laughs> it was some real... <laughs> Some real Joel Stein shit, to be honest. It's bad. It's, it's bad. bad. That's we're all I'll talk say. about. Look, I we we talked beforehand. We're not talking about the soul statching crews. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about them. They can't be real. How, how do you think those real. vaccines got tainted? Look, we cannot. You know, you know how it is out mm-hmm. there. We the official range touch policy is that there's no such thing as a soul snatching crew. I repeat. <laughs> I want to make that crystal clear and mm-hmm. not those kinds of crystals, other kinds of crystal clear. The other kind of crystals. Anyway, so yeah, so this this thing is talking to you. He says, you know, we got our souls snatched out, blah, blah, blah. And as, as punishment for speaking out against him, this local lord not only stole their souls, but they put the souls in these masks and then put the masks in this dungeon thing or just in a space. It's unclear like, if that I is kind here of or not. figured it was like it was in a sewer. Yes, in a sewer. No matter mm-hmm. at the end of the day, in a sewer. Yeah. So that tainted, polluted water mm-hmm. would spill out of their mouths and eyes for eternity. Forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. And they would just taste it. Mm. Which is the rudest shit you can do to somebody, I think. Quite rude, right? It's so incredibly rude. 
And this is just for saying, like, hey, hey, maybe this local lord is getting a little bit too much power. It's literally for saying we're against it. And there's something, I mean, there's, like, something really interesting here, right? And the in the difference between this and something that would happen in Baldur's Gate, right? Mm-hmm. Because if this scenario happened in Baldur's Gate, what would happen is it would be like, oh, I spoke out against the local lord and he killed my dad. And now I'm here with a ragtag band of rebels in this cave and you can meet me and then we can go and kill the local lord and his, like, six archers. Mm-hmm. And that would be the quest, right? Sure. But, but in Im- some way, the quest would engage with that lord. Yes, you would You would go and fight that lord in some mm-hmm. way, or like his representative. Because we did a couple of those in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Uh, there was the the druids who were fighting the um, nobles from Waterdeep. You remember mm-hmm. that? It was like two mm-hmm. nobles versus two druids, and you had to kind of take sides. So, so we have some um, comparison for this kind of quest. But here, no... No opportunity. Like, this is probably lifetimes ago mm-hmm. when this occurred. This lord is not around. Yeah. To be punished, to be fought, and, and slain with a sword or anything like it. That missile has left the silo. Yes. In, in the in the parlance of uh, of the fantasy world, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the ICBMs are mm-hmm. closing in on Fear Crag mm-hmm. at this very moment. And so Get on, Fear Crag! <laughs> if only. If only, if, if only the minute meteors had been something else. God, could uh, you imagine Garion just in the in the war room? Can you imagine uh, Chicklevar, uh just contemplating, being like, "Well, you know, the, the enemy, of my enemy, is my friend. They are making heavy water in mm. uh, in Thay, so mm-hmm. we've got a we've got we've got a trade to get that Thay in heavy water. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to help the missile program, the Bal- the the Baldur's Gadian, uh missile program." I can see it all. But it doesn't yeah. go down that way in Planescape Torment. No. He says, hey, uh, actually, I'll be uncursed if some fresh water touches my lips. Mm-hmm. Which seems so easy to do, right? It's so easy. How how am I the first person to wander through, <laughs> through these halls and, and do this? It may be, and this is something I've considered, that the player character is just, like, specifically in tune or empathetic in a way that other characters aren't, right? Mm -hmm. Or more intuitive. I think that a lot of the things that we end up doing shows that we are kind of an exceptional being in a lot of ways. You know what? Do you get that, Mm -hmm. that, that feeling? Yeah, so like maybe no one could talk to this thing before. Maybe no one could talk, or maybe just no one even, and it didn't even occur to people. Like, oh, there's the mask that wails and spews pollution out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. There he is again, old Glive. Old Glive. Old Boy, Glive. howdy, I wish she would just shut up. Just, oh gosh, punished for eternity. Shut up, Glive, we know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, so he says, look, uh, the best way for you to get some of that delicious, tasty water that isn't spewing pollution out of my mouth, the best way to do that is to find a decanter mm-hmm. and, and use that decanter to spray some water into my mouth. And he says, listen, there's someone named Chad. Oh, my God. <laughs> in this du- an artist named Chad in this dungeon. And Chad, I think, knows where you could find that decanter. An Did artist named find- Chad is the least... Uh- <laughs> is the least realistic thing about Planescape Torment. It really is. 
that's the fact that his name is that's got to be like someone that they know like that has to be on purpose right mm-hmm. that this has to be a nod to someone an artist named chad here's a question for you did mm-hmm. you ever meet chad no me neither do you think he was the corpse i don't know yeah it didn't really say did it no I don't know. I, I my assumption is maybe like there's an undead running around in, in what we're going to talk about in just a minute, mm-hmm. and maybe there's an undead named Chad that you could talk to and be like, "Hey, I was I used to be an artist, but now I'm a zombie, and uh, I used to have a decanter, but I did mm-hmm. not encounter any of that." Hmm. Did you find the decanter? Yeah, I did find the decanter. Okay, I did too. All right, I released Glive, but we'll mm-hmm. talk about that on the way up. On the I way gotcha. Up. Mm-hmm. So there are these two factions that you were yes. talking about before. Zombies They're, and undead on one, and then a bunch of rats on the other. But they, there's, they, they, there's, a, there's a unique take on either side of here. Yes. The Did you get captured by the rats? No. Do you want me to just tell, tell you what happens, and then you can tell? Because like, we go in... And the only thing I know about these two groups, I talked about with Glive. Did you ask Glive about the two factions? I might have, but I don't remember. You tell me what. What did he tell you? So I say, hey, what's the deal with the uh, with the these undead? And he says, ah, they're called the um the you know they're they're worshippers of the Silent King, and it's a bunch of undead basically who have banded together, made a union, right? And the head of the union's the Silent King. And they they're they're holding out. They're holding out. They're you know the the dustmen hate them because they avoid the true death. Everybody else hates them because they're undead. So they've got their own little kingdom. Who likes them? Hmm. Who does like them? Just them. Just them. Because more than more than just the union likes a union. You know. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a good analog here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a bet, like PETA. It could be like PETA. Mm, only PETA likes PETA. Yeah, because like I'm all about animal rights. Very important to me. I don't mm-hmm. eat animals, any of that stuff. Don't care for PETA. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, not for you. They're not for me. You have to me. be a member. Yeah, but if I were a member of PETA, they would be for me. So maybe, and people who love to eat animals, they also don't like PETA. They also don't like PETA. Mm, so. what, about, what about CrossFitters? Uh, that that's another good group. That's another good one because it's like, do do you hate exercise? Not CrossFit, not for you. Do you love lifting weights? Like outside of a CrossFit gym, CrossFit, not for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you like marginal exercise that doesn't involve screaming at your friends? No, God, not for you. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is, you could be a like an Olympic power lifter and and like not like CrossFit. Yeah, so maybe yeah, maybe that's another uh, strong in-group, out-group dynamic. The really followers of the Silent King, they're the PETA, they're the CrossFitters of this world. They're really fighting their own fight over there. Yeah, they've got their own thing going on independent of anyone else because their main rival faction is mi- called Mini as One, mm. which are cranium rats. Cranium rats. We saw a bunch of rats. I neglected to tell you the name. I didn't want to give up the ghost here. Mm-hmm. But all those rats on the uh, west, on the on the east side of the map, they're all called cranium rats. And uh, so, what's the deal with those rats? Well, what's interesting to me is, did you did you talk to the person 
in not Ragpicker Square, but like the zone right before Ragpicker Square, which is called. Uh, well, I don't have it. I don't have it written down. But anyway, the uh, he's like, uh, what is the an exterminator? Mm. His name's like Reginald. Oh, I think eighth, I did blah, talk blah, blah, blah. to uh, talk to an exterminator. Well, he gives you a quest, and he he will be like, listen. The big problem we have in Sigil is all these cranium rats. He <laughs> says one or two cranium rats, they're just normal rats. They're hanging out. But when their cranium rats are all telepathic. Mm. And so if there's one or two together, they're just talking to each other. One or two is fine. But when like 10 or 15 get together, they start having, you know, humanoid intelligence. And then when like 20 or 30 get together, they start really having super intelligence. Yes. And so the the cranium rats, many as one who has named itself as an entity here in the uh uh what do you call it? The 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 catacombs. The catacombs. It's like a thousand rats? Ten thousand rats? It's hundreds of thousands of rats or millions of rats. Like like if I were to take Sigil as a city seriously, when you have a rat infestation, it is not hundreds of rats right yeah but it's a well to, but to be clear though many as one is not every rat in the city it's just the rats that are it's like specific in yeah it's a specific you know type of rats but i have to imagine it's hundreds of thousands of rats yeah, yeah it's it's a lot it's a whole lot of rats it's a whole uh, lot of rats and it is if you if you didn't kind of pick it up this is a high this is a classic hive mind situation mm-hmm. it's gonna fill a uh, uh, uh five five by five square uh, it's gonna create difficult terrain when you walk into it. Mm-hmm. Classic hive mind situation. What is kind of what is the uh, the one that comes to my mind is the Borg in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Is there a is there like a primordial an ur hive mind, if you will, in science fiction uh, fantasy? I don't know. I can't think of I can't think of one beyond that. Beyond the Borg. Yeah, the Borg does. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's not that's not my my uh, zone. Of I don't know. You, you seem to you seem to make pretty uh, comprehensive statements about a lot of things. So you mm-hmm. might as well just say there was no hive minds before the Borg. No, there's got to be because there were like shared consciousnesses and mm-hmm. things like that, or beings that are like representatives of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. It, where like the line between are they the thing and are they not the thing. Uh, is confused, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I don't. I can't say for certain. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting it's, though. Yeah, this is a this is a classic hive mind where they all share their consciousness. So the intelligence of one rat is, you know, subsumed and or assimilated into the whole, and that's why it's kind of achieved this this supreme intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it would appear that like it's only the rats that are a part of this hive mind, but they have kind of were rat thralls that are yeah. in on it. Yeah. So I don't exactly remember what happened to me. I think I walked into the Minia's ones like vestibule. Okay. Uh, for for their like wing of the dungeon. Yeah. A- and a were rat was like, "Hey, bro, you can't be in here." And I was like, sorry, I don't know what to, what's up. Can I just leave? And they were like, no, you can't leave. We are putting Ooh. you in jail. Whoa. And, and so then they took me and they put me in jail and I wandered around and truly I was in jail. And I you, had to, you were, you were, you were rat arrested. I was were rat arrested. I think more, more technically. Mm. 
And, uh, yeah, I couldn't really figure out what to do, so I eventually, uh, smashed down <laughs> the door and then fought my way out. And I knew immediately that I would not be able to fight my whole way out because, A, I'm I'm just not very good at the fighting in this game. Sure. Uh, and B, these were-rats were just kicking my ass, like, up and down. And so what I did is I ran away, and I thought I was running to the exit. And lo and behold, I was just running toward a chamber where ten or 15,000 rats were hanging out. Mm-hmm. And then I had, like, a big, you know conversation with the with the boss with rat boss so i ended up going to the plot appropriate zone but the way i got there was some real yakety sacks uh avoiding were rat scenarios so how did you get there well because i i I got there after i visited the first place the the other place rather i went to the the land of the silent king oh so you didn't go to, to the rat place at all I went to the rat place second, so uh, I had a very different experience going. Okay, there. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, well. Let me let me give you then the the info. Yeah, like give me the arc here. Yeah, so I go into Minius One, and so it's this big kind of like chamber. It's almost like a like a micro congressional chamber. Okay, it's just got a bunch of rats in it, and they say, um, "Hey there, we're gonna murder you," and so I start getting my plead on, and I'm like, "Hey, please don't murder me." Uh, what can I do for you? Just let me go, and I'll do whatever you say. And then they say, hey, across town, there's this dude named the Silent King. Ooh. We hate him. He sucks. Mm. Like, we got to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I do too. <laughs> and, well, I was like, I sure, yeah, exactly. I, I like all the things you like, and you know what I don't like? All the things you don't like. So let's let's make it happen. Let's make a deal. And so we do make a deal. Um, and so through this kind of long conversation tree where I kind of manipulating them a little bit and then like telling them some truth and lies based on how I'm trying to manipulate them I say look I will go over to the Silent King and kill him because one of these two factions like you have to go to the next level deeper in order to go get that bronze sphere there is one level deeper than this dungeon bomb what is bomb bomb the inception horn noise that's oh that's one level deeper Mm mm-hmm Oh, let me do that again. I'm sorry, I didn't understand the joke originally. Let's let's mm-hmm. we'll do it again, okay? Mm-hmm. One level deeper. Oh my god. I mean, it'd be even better if you just edited the real sound over my I'm, bombs. I'm not gonna do that. Got mm, Okay. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna run right into a copyright strike on the bomb. <laughs> that's what that's what's gonna take our channel down. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's going to show up as kind of an insurgent radio against the Stein, the Stein presidency. But it was, uh, it was Christopher Nolan. Yeah, he's he's not busy right now. He's got a lot, he doesn't have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah. So in order to get one level deeper, you either have to ally yourself with many as one or with the Silent King or or do something for them uh, in order to open up. A stairwell, and they both control their own individual stairwell, so you can kind of make your choice here. Correct. So, you did not come here, though. You went to the Silent King. Yeah, I went to the Silent King, and I get an I get a kind of a similar situation happen where I walk in, and there's a whole crowd around, and there's a man in a wizard hat, and the man in the wizard hat says, "You you done messed up, sir." 
because there's no live people allowed in the realm of the of the silent king you uh you are sentenced to live here forever until you die and it became this is, southern like dead in the middle of it yeah dead in the middle just like a real transition from a wow. from a from a regular regular ass accent to a very like appalachian southern accent and there, there's kind of a they, they's like take him away, and I and I'm taken to this person who's a who's like a dustman who's not a living who's not an undead person at all. He's just like one of those dustmen. Mm-hmm. And they say he says, yeah, I kind of came here because I I got a little disillusioned, I suppose. And I said, well, what's the what's the deal? Why, why am I being kept here? And he says, well, you need to ask around. So I just ask the first skeleton I run across. I'm not in a cell or anything. I'm just like. And they're like, yeah. So they they decided that um, all you know, living people that come here because we're trying to we're trying to dissuade any looters, any scavengers. We want we want to have our own thing. We want the CrossFit uh, gym, aka the box, to be a pure place where only CrossFitters exist. So when a when a non CrossFitter or a non PETA member comes in, we say, hey, you have to be a member for life now. Like mm-hmm. you can't go to any other gym, and when you when your kidneys fail due to overexertion, then and only then will you be able to stop being a CrossFitter. What what I think is so good about this, <laughs> I really I really not your metaphor, but the, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the metaphor is fine, but the writing mm-hmm. itself here, right, mm-hmm. is that it, it takes seriously. This is what I like about the writing of this game in general, right? The weird genre tropes of mm-hmm. the fantasy game, right? Mm-hmm. Are taken to their logical conclusion. Yeah. So if you had a bunch of undead mm-hmm. who all came into like self-knowledge, right? They they have some sort of sense of self, yeah. governance, all this kind of stuff. They would be sitting on a massive hoard of all of the treasures they were bu- buried with, right? Sure. And you can't you don't want to sell them cuz they're yours. And we're also living in a world where dustmen collect corpses for fees or like for money, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But but even beyond that, right? Like, y- they recognize that they are in a bad position because a, or not even just a, just period. You could just get a cleric to roll on down here and kill them all, just explode them into dust. Right? Yes, because we live in a in a <laughs> fantasy world where that exists, and Van Helsing vampire hunters exist, and. All manner of professions who are just like who just wreck undead, and that's yeah, just their and, life. And so their only solution was like, all right, I guess we just close the doors, and whoever gets in that we don't kill, they just live here now because we mm-hmm. can't ever let anyone know that we're down here. Yeah, I just really appreciate that. I appreciate someone who is taking just taking this whole world seriously and then taking it to its logical limit consistently. This is the reason why you like that movie Valerian, right? Oh, Valerian is good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like but you just like the I I think that this is a leap motif with some of your interests. You like you like people that set up premises and actually follow them through and, and yeah, examine 100%. what that would be about. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If the if you set up like a really interesting premise only to return to like the most tired the overused storytelling that could fit into any kind of uh framework. Mm-hmm then that it's not very interesting to me. It could be a really great story. Like, I think that the Star Wars movies are the, uh, especially, like, the prequels and the whatever these sequels that we're going through right now 
great films. I enjoyed watching them the the one time I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, right, like they do interesting set dressing in order to return to the exact same plot points that we got in the 1970s and the 1980s, which is mm-hmm. fine. Like not a complaint, but if you, you know, I don't know, if you took the ideas of Star Wars and really pushed them, say like KOTOR 2 does, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. enter into the pantheon of uh, of of nerd dudes saying that KOTOR 2 is good. Mm. Uh, but it is because it does take Star Wars and does this very similar kind of uh, Planescape Torment thing to it. So. Basically, where they say, "Okay, so there's the Force. Well, what would a what would a civilization and and like universe look like where that actually existed?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you have to like navigate a uh, like um, an invisible, literal invisible force that flows through all beings, and like, what if you didn't want to pick a side? Mm. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so. All of that as a very long thing to say. Yes, I, I appreciate the commitment to the the actual story being told, as opposed to kicking back on some more familiar narrative. So I ask around, and I'm like, "Well, can I can I leave?" And I end up talking to, and I'm going to check uh, this person's name. This person's name was Hagrim the Bleak, the very southern uh, undead cult cult leader. Hagrim. Hargrim, Hargrim, Hargrim the Blake. The mm-hmm. um, he's from the Wind Spear Heels, mm-hmm. and um, basically, you talk to Hargrim, and you're like, "Hey, can you just let me out?" And Hargrim's like, "Nope, it's been, you know, the the Silent King has decreed that all yeah, those been. who enter our realm is are like must stay until they're undead themselves, and then once they're undead and they're Crossfitters, then they they can choose to leave if they want." Yeah. Knowing full well that by the time you're a CrossFitter, no other gym's going to have you, right? Yeah. So, and I said, oh, but mm, can you not, can you not just ask him for me? Well, can I ask him himself? And they're like, no. And we know that he's the Silent King because the Silent King only, only says what is absolutely necessary. A very, like, Spartan individual, quite laconic, the Silent King. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a kind of a rundown of the other uh, the other cast of characters here, and the really important one is uh, is Stale Mary, who's kind of the most intelligent zombie. And I will go and talk to Stale Mary, and I can't understand her because it's like she's got a bunch of cotton balls in her mouth. Yeah, the, I also like this commitment that that like skeletons can they can cackle and talk, right? Because Hargrim's mm-hmm. a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And so he can be like, nah, ha, 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 and you know, he can talk in full sentences. But Stale Mary, being a zombie, can only moan. Well, the issue is skeletons <laughs> have had all passion stolen from them. Like skeletons are mm. just like a little robotic, basically. They don't have any of their any of their human warmth left. But zombies do. Like zombies can still have compassion, and Stale Mary is one of these people. But they're slow and maybe not quite as smart because you know their brains are rotting. Whereas skeletons are like powered by some kind of. They're just inhabited by a spirit directly that doesn't have mm. to deal with the flesh anymore. Perhaps mm-hmm. that's the name of my new startup. Inhabited by a spirit directly. <laughs> <laughs> it furnishes your body with a, with an additional spirit. Is this just a new Juicero? <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> we we gotta possess those Juceros. <laughs> we gotta put a spirit in it. So stale Mary, uh, you can you can speak to, and it's really fun because the first time you speak to her, you're like, I don't understand anything you're saying, and mm-hmm. she reaches out to touch you, and she teaches you how to understand her. Yeah, it's dope. 
it's dope. It's like she reaches into your brain and like unlocks something. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, maybe zombies aren't bad. They're just misunderstood. And Stale Mary says, look, I will grant your request. You, like, appeal to her compassion. Be like, look, I I, yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. I just came in here, and y'all are telling me I can't leave. And, I, you know, I don't want to CrossFit. I just want to do regular pull-ups. I just want to, like, run on a treadmill occasionally. I just want to, you know, keep the pounds off, stay Danny, attractive are, to are, my partner. Are you being bullied by a CrossFitter? <laughs> Is, are people kicking sand in your face? <laughs> no. Okay. So, and Stale Mary says, sure, I will, look, if you go to this, the you know, in, in the, to the northwest of this room, just go into this column and just think about the Silent King, you'll get zapped over there. And sure enough, if you do that, you will. So here's a question for you. As soon as she opened that portal, you went through it? Uh, I actually didn't quite know where, where like, I, I, I saw that she said the alcove to the northwest. So I, like, went, left the room and went to an, the alcove to the northwest. Mm. which is just like a dead-end hallway. And then when that didn't work, I went back to the room, and it worked out. So you did not Did you talk to Acosta? I did not. Okay, so so this is the... the I, I did all the same stuff that you're talking about, um, except for Swago, the, uh, the dusk man. Did you introduce him to the skeleton who wants to die? No. There's just a fun little thing. Where- well, I did talk to the skeleton, and I was, and I, 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 the skeleton was like, "What do you? What should I do?" And I said, "I don't know. You should probably keep living." Well, so the yeah, so the, there's a, a skeleton who's just like, "I don't know. Maybe I just don't want to be Called a skeleton." The anymore. doubtful skeleton. Yeah, and you can go back to Swago and be like, "Hey, there's a skeleton out there who like he's maybe going for the the true death." And the, and Swago's like, "Oh shit, I gotta go talk to that guy." And he breaks conversation and runs away. <laughs> So mm. like it's it's a pretty fun little thing, but if you talk to Acosta, there's like this uh, internal political struggle going on here because Acosta and her she's a ghoul and she's the queen mm. of the ghouls and ghouls are kind of like the worst of both worlds when it comes to undead, right? Yeah, they are both ravenous for flesh, like a zombie. You know, they want to they want to eat and consume. They also want to eat dead flesh. They'll eat any kind of flesh, which mm. is, you know, kind of bad. Omnivores. Yeah, if you're an, an, another kind of uh, undead. And they're also still smart, right? Like, they, they have the kind of uh, mental faculties of the skeleton. Mm-hmm. And so, if you talk with Hargrim all the way through his tree and kind of get a lay of the land, he, he explains to you that they have to keep the strength of, like, the Silent King has to stay strong. Because Acosta is the other major undead political power. And if she becomes uh, powerful in the, the this part of the, the dungeon, if she usurps the Silent King, then A, all the other undead are probably going to get eliminated, and B, she's going to run out in the rest of the dungeon and maybe even come up from the dungeons, right? Mm. So this would be like a classic D&D experience, mm-hmm. right? So in some ways, what what I think is interesting that's happening narratively there is that Hargrim, like you get this really cool political and narrative world, and Hargrim says that this narrative device that we are delivering to you is literally hanging in the balance because this could just become a 101 dungeon, and we oh. don't want that to happen. So I th- we've kind of alighted the, the big reveal here, haven't we? Well, so yeah, so I, so yeah, I just wanted to lay that out first yeah, yeah. before you we talk about that. going okay. and seeing the thing. So anyway, so, so if you talk to Acosta, she she basically says like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want the Silent King to tell me why we can't unlock these doors and go mm-hmm. out there. And so yeah, you go get through that the alcove, meat. get that delicious meat. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, you go yeah. through the alcove and you're in, you're immediately uh, there. Hargrim the Bleak's in there. Stale Mary is in there. And you walk up and Hargrim the Bleak's like, oh, it's ruined. This is horrible that a living person has come into this chamber and is seeing what, what there is to see. And there's the silent king like in a in the throne, but you can't click him. There's nothing you can click. And it doesn't look like a person. And I'm like, what? what is the deal? And the Silent King's just dead. He's, like, gone to the true death. Yeah. He's just a, a regular dead corpse. Well, he's like, uh, yeah, I, well, he, he, he is, like, it's unclear where his body, or its body, or I guess his, because king, but mm-hmm. where where the body would have ended and the throne would begin. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that level of, of decaying and, like, weird undead creature that doesn't really fit in this world, right? He's not a skeleton. He's not a... Uh, a zombie, anything like that, but yeah, he is dead. Yeah. Uh, so, so what? Are your and choices? basically, basically, uh, Hargrim the Bleak is like, well, we've got to look. We can't tell all these undead the truth because you know the, the Silent King is the one thing that um, united everybody. Yeah. Right. And I said, mm, I, I, I get that. Like, I totally get that. I kind of want to go. Will you just let me go? And I promise that if uh, I vow that if you let me go, I'm I'm not going to tell anybody about your secret. Mm-hmm. I won't and tell anyone said, about your CrossFit gym. And, and and they said, okay, all right, uh, just get out of here, get out of here now. So did you? So I use this as an opportunity to negotiate them to open the door to let me go deeper underground. Hmm. Did you not do I, that? I didn't even occur to me. I didn't even know about the entrance to the deeper underground at this point. Yeah. They, oh, I see. Okay. So, so then, then I left. So I also did that. I, I was like, all right, I won't say anything. Acosta seems bad, which is a you know very Ticklevar move, right? Like, mm. this is just... Uh, order. order. Order above all else. Yeah. Order. Well, I mean, the... Yes. And also, Acosta, that does seem worse. Mm-hmm. Just in general for everybody. Um, but yeah, so I said, hey, you just let me just open that gate and I'll go further down and you won't ever have to see me again. I won't tell anybody. And so I never went back to the mini versus or mini as one. Mm. I never went back to the rats. I just ignored them and I went deeper, but you went over to the rats. Yeah. I didn't even know that I could go deeper. So I just was, I was like, oh, I'll keep exploring. So I went over to the rats and, uh, I am confronted by a were rat. Who says, hey, what are you doing? And I tell the were-rat, well, I'm here for an audience with you, of course. Oh. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, you're obviously very important. So that's why. And he's like, look, I, you're, you're, you don't bullshit a bullshitter, okay? Um, what, are, what are you really up to? And I'm like, uh, well, I guess I'm here to speak with many as one. And this, this, this were-rat says, well, how about you just tell me? what what um what you want to tell many as one and i'll i'll let many as one know and I, these are the following options lie the silent king is very strong and you shouldn't underestimate him truth uh the silent king doesn't exist <laughs> or never mind mhm um and that was it like you could, you could do say those two things, or just say, "Uh, never mind." And I just told him the Silent King doesn't exist. By the way. Oh gosh. Yeah. 
you goofed him. And they're like, well, hold on. You need to you need to immediately meet many as one. Mm. There's a big record scratch. Yeah. A, a cosmic record scratch. I am taken into a chamber that is that looks rad as hell. Mm-hmm. There's one tiny rat in the middle of the chamber. And the the walls of the chamber are just like all the it's like it's like rat congress. Like you can see these little red eyes at intervals in like this kind of uh this amphitheater style room. And like there are these little black holes in along the walls of the amphitheater and you like see these red eyes of the rats staring out at you, right? And the Silent King is like I will grant you a boon. I will unlock your potential. And it's all in, like, caps. It's, like, speaking to me telepathically. Mm-hmm. Did you experience any of this? No, I didn't. And then, <laughs> okay, oh, boy. And then it's like, I will show you. I will show you the world. And and I, and you can choose to, like, hold on, I'm not ready. Or you can say, yeah, I'm ready. And then you see a vision of you breaking somebody's neck with a chain. What? Yes. Wait, like a cutscene? No, not a cut. Well, I mean, it's just in dialogue. Oh, okay. It's like, this is the vision you see. You're, like, fighting. You're struggling with these entities, and you, like, wrap a chain around one of their necks, and you snap it. And then seems, and then after you do that, a bunch of, like, hands come out and grab you. Huh. It's deeply negative. That seems bad. It seems very bad. And you get like, like a you get like a jillion experience when you do this. Hmm. Well, I didn't now. Do that. At which point he says, "Okay, you're you're free to like look around, but once you leave, you can never come back." Huh? And it was when I was in there that I um that I went down into the next level. Yeah, because they also have their thing. Yeah. Well, that's weird. I didn't do that. Maybe I should go back and do that. Mm-hmm. Still open to me, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm thinking about, like, what the, what any of the, uh, the, like, uh, significance of the vision I was given. And I don't know. You're spinning through, you're sprinting through a city made entirely of chains, buildings, streets, sewers, and plumbing. They're all linked with metal strands. The blood-dark sky above you shimmers evilly as you jingle your way across a tightly woven web of black and silver. You glance over your shoulder, hoping you've thrown off your pursuit. You spy nothing. You face forward. And standing silently in front of you is a creature wrapped in chains from head to toe, grinning maniacally under its mask. A chain snakes out from its outstretched hand and wraps around your ankle. Another bursts from the wall to your left, scarring your wrist. You snatch at it, you snatch it from the air, and with a practice loop, throw it around the neck of your enemy. You yank the chain tight and hear the sharp snap of the creature's spine. Moments before a cackling horde of similar monsters pour a jangling web of chains all over your body, you jerk yourself free of the memory. That is the memory. Hmm. I wonder. So you think that's how you got scarred all over your body? It's definitely like a life. Like the many is yeah. one has tapped into a memory I didn't have access to. But yeah. why that memory, right? Well, because maybe you betrayed somebody, mm. which is what you had just done to the Silent King. Yeah. Or to the, all of those people. I don't know. I mm. mean, I think a lot of these get contextualized later. So, yeah. So, 
The uh, but anyway, so I, I I don't know what happened with the Silence King. Maybe the I mean maybe the uh, Minias one finally uh, took him over. Yeah, they definitely did. You can go back mm-hmm. and look. You can go back and talk to them. I'll do. I'll do that. I'll yeah. see what's what the dealio is. Um. Uh, so yeah. So once you go down, this is both uh, interesting. Well, where this leads is interesting. This whole so this area that you go down into is called the Drowned Nations. And it's mm-hmm. like a, just uh, kind of, there's like water. It's kind of a sewer level, I guess. Yeah. For lack of a better word. And anyway, there's a lot of vargouls. There's a lot of those crocodile things. And there's like some undead down here that are friendly. Not to talk to, but they just don't attack you. And I'll be honest, I did not fight anything here. I ran around. You can actually lure vargouls into the undead. And so I like ran around this level and tried to avoid enemies and uh, went and found the items I needed to pick up. Which was the decanter for the, the the possessed mask thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was a um, the orb that needed. I it, I am really dubious about the level, the design of like all of these encounters. Oh yeah, they're awful. They're awful and monotonous. They're not interesting. Like the even if even in within the context of like a uh, a Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dale, it's just like, oh, we'll just put nine of these bat things. Like that's the encounter. Yeah, once you once you make a serious commitment to uh, to being able to run away, and you always being faster than than other enemies, mm-hmm. you have in you are disincentivized as a designer from making balanced combat encounters. Sure, like you're enc- you're encouraging a type of like even even if people aren't running away from every encounter, you're encouraging people to cheese every encounter in some way. Yeah. And especially the only time you're ever in danger is when you, like, get blocked in by the bats. Like, that happened to me twice where I was, like, just running past them and there was, like, a there was a bottleneck and they, they like, surrounded me and I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And then I died and I just, like, ended up back at the beginning immediately. Yeah. That's what happens when you die, by the way. Yes. Yeah, you just, uh, if you're in the city, you end up back where the game began. If you're in a dungeon, you just kind of uh, start back at the beginning of the dungeon. Yeah, once once death is removed as, like, a strong punishment, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can, if you killed one enemy per life, you're okay. Yeah. So, in some ways, I mean, I like it because you can see the trade-offs, right? Mm-hmm. That buys you, as a designer, a whole lot of extra time for narrative and narrative polish. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to worry about combat balance. No. At, at the end of the day. But on the other hand, if you're in these games for the combat, you you might feel like this is not the greatest experience. And I also think the combat AI is pretty bad. Yeah, the AI is bad. And I don't know. like, what I, I don't see how the presence of all these enemies made my made the makes the game experience better at all. No, I, I don't either. Yeah, I think that you just it's it's it makes it a little bit more annoying to run from one point A to point B. But the the idea of fighting any of this has never entered my mind. Yeah, I well, I think you know part of it has to do just with like the conditions of reception, right? If you released an RPG when this game came out and it had zero combat in it and it was just running around, it would just be an adventure game, right? Mm-hmm. A narrative adventure game. You needed you the cover. You needed the cover of yes. hit points. Yeah. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And the D&D license, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know. An interesting thing. This is going to definitely come up a million more times. But uh, yeah. the, the interesting part about this is at the end of this dungeon, there is a tomb you can go to. Yes. And I forget what the tomb is called, but it, it's a tomb. You, When you approach it, it says, oh, only the main character can go in. you got to leave your party members behind. Mm-hmm. Which for you is just Mort, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got Mort and Dakin. Dakin. Oh. And so, yeah. So, you leave them. And it's kind of like a puzzle dungeon. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you go in and it's specifically based on the idea, like you were saying, that you can die uh, and you just end up right where you started. Um, and so it basically is just about, like, navigating it in a particular sequence and then picking mm-hmm. up these little journal things that tell you a little bit about your previous life. And knowing kind of stepping on certain glyphs will kill you, yeah. right? And knowing, like, when to do that to go to the beginning or not. Yeah, so it's some very basic, like, puzzle solving, and there's some teleporting involved, too. Yeah. And when you get, when you after you solve those puzzles, there's, like, an inner cloister. And you get to that cloister, and there are, there's carvings on the wall that you have been doing over more than one lifetime, right? Yeah. And they they say things like, uh, I, they're just little tidbits about you. The important ones, I think, there there are two important ones. One is that there is a message that's the same as the message on your back. Yeah, right? and you remember it. It's it's got the same uh, stuff about ferret and and the journal and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's got one additional line. Hmm. What do you remember that? Don't trust the skull. Yes, so it's all the things that Mort told you at the very beginning of the game with an additional line that just says, don't trust the skull. Did this, like, blow your mind? Did you think this was awesome? It was good. It was good. I like the... Here's the thing. Did we create this tomb? Yes. Yes. So So there are all these etchings on the walls, and you have to, like, read them all and push them in order to, like, get out of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. And... I did that, but in reading them, at first I'm wondering, like, who is this addressed to? At first I think, is this someone that I wronged in a previous life? That was my first instinct, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I I started recognizing, oh, it's me. Like, it's the same, like, writing style as the... uh, as kind of the the thing on my back, right, that I wrote. And eventually, I you know, I, I get to this one, and I'm like, I made this tomb to, like, give myself this information. Yeah. Like, this is another, like, which really, like, just brings up all of these questions of, like, who am I in the, this world to be able to create this tomb, right? Yeah, like, A, you, you really, it really does nail down that, like, not only are you unkillable but you're immortal yeah like you are straight up cursed with immortality and that's kind of the way that you talk about it eventually in these like journal entries you're Mm -hmm. cursed with immortality b every time that you live a life no matter if you are good or evil or just or chaotic you know any of these kind of identifiers there are these ghostly evil creature things that hunt you down and kill you eventually Mm-hmm. No matter what kind of wrongs you right or what kind of beings you kill, mm. that that there is this weird punishing revenant that comes after you. And we've already seen this a little bit in the game, right? So, like when we met Farid, 
remember it cut we, we kind of got like a visual cut back to the uh mortuary slab where we started the game and exactly. there are like these creepy ghost things on top of it mm-hmm. so yeah so so there's a little bit of that already in it so but yeah very mysterious yeah, I, I think I what I really enjoy about this set piece is how much more excited I was about the game and the game's premise after this reveal. Like, I feel like there's this steady, there's this steady curiosity and interest I have going through this game the first time. Whereas, I mean, I was that ever pres- present for you in the Baldur's Gate series? Maybe when you. I I think if there's a moment that happens that way or that where that really happens it's got to be once you find out about Saravok mm-hmm. and and then when you find out that you and Saravok were both in Candlekeep like at the end of chapter 5 after you escaped Candlekeep the first time mm-hmm. and you find out that he was there with those people and he killed them and he's framed you and all that stuff Mm-hmm. If there's a moment like this that's like oh shit all these things we knew are all lining up and yeah Servox doing it all like that's mm-hmm. when that is but that is you know that that's the reveal of that game that's two-thirds of the way through this is like the the setup right we're still yeah. in the the narrative development stage so mm-hmm. no i don't think there's anything like this yeah so i thought this was this was quite interesting um and that's kind of the main event of the drowned nations i think because getting the orb is just running past some crocodiles and picking up an orb yeah and so, yeah, you you would go back, and you uh, I gave Glive the uh, decanter on my way back up. He appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I don't actually remember what happened after it was done. I think he was just freed. Hey, thanks. Yeah, hey, thanks. Um, and then went back up and gave it to Farad. And maybe we pick up with that, because there's kind of a big info dump that he gives you here. Yeah. Um, so maybe we just start the next episode with that big info dump. The big info dump. Uh that makes sense. We kind of played until a little past this, but I think starting with the big reveal makes more sense. Yeah, because then it gives some context for the next part of the game. Exactly. So the next part of the game, you're, you're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the tavern mm-hmm. that that I played through in the very first episode that you didn't play through at all. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the next little bit of the game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. You're going to talk about a new party member. We're going to talk about a new party member. Two new party oh. members. There you go. Um, okay. Well, let's unravel that mystery next episode. I'm excited. Let's do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, that's going to be in the next episode. We, You can find us on various different places. You can find us on twitter.com slash range touch. Um, uh, you can learn all about us there. Of course, here, you should hit that like button, hit subscribe. If you have not hit subscribe already in any of the previous 40-some-odd episodes, you should... Uh, go to twitch.tv slash range touch. We've been streaming quite a bit more. Um our stream archives have started showing up here on uh, to, uh, what, what is this website? YouTube? On the YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube. And if, if you want more content from us, uh, you can always go over to Patreon. Uh, the link is down in the description below. And you mm-hmm. can support us there. Uh, for a dollar a month, you can get a newsletter. For $5 a month, you can get an entire podcast of us talking about this. And there's going to be some other really neat stuff coming out with that as well. Um, and if you want to come see what we're up to day to day, you can go to our Discord server, which is also down in the description below. Join the community. Join the community. Join the Rangers. The Rangers. All right. Well, 
thanks so much everybody hope you you have a, a wonderful a wonderful little little bi-weekly unit mm-hmm. a bi-weekly a fortnight a fortnight oh is mm-hmm. that what they're those are uh yeah it's the the battle royale shooter where it yes. takes two weeks to uh, load and fire your rifle Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Notorious because it's so inconvenient because it's on mobile, but no no mobile device that can play it can retain its charge for that long. Yeah, it's a huge problem in the community. I think a lot of people just resorted to plugging their mobile device uh, into a wall outlet for two weeks, but then mm-hmm. you know what? Not really that mobile. No, exactly. So Critical problem. Join us after you play that. Yeah. All right. Well, All see right. you in two weeks. Yeah. Ciao. Ciao.